This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. So come with me please to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. All right, the who's in charge this morning? Cheryl, are you in charge? All right. So those who are going down to the small, small ones, if you're going downstairs with Cheryl and Ferns, go ahead. Hey, you picked the right straw today. There's, there's only two, <laughs> three. <laughs> Ephesians chapter six, then. And uh, don't really want to read all of this, but uh, just verse, verse 14. Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Sometimes, as believers, we need to refresh our understanding of particular words that we use in our prayers, in our worship, in our witness, in our conversations, in our thoughts and meditations. And we have a Christian speak, uh, which we're, we're fairly confident we know what we're talking about, but often I find it that after a while we, we come blasé about using these words and we don't really think about what we're saying. They just sort of tumble out in our songs. And one of our favorite words, one of the words that we use often is righteousness. Righteousness. But what exactly is righteousness? Paul included righteousness here right into the Ephesian believers as part of their armory. So that being the case, we need to look at this word righteousness again. We need to remind ourselves what it is and how it works as part of our armory in this world that we live in where the enemy of our very souls uh, continually would come against us. And so we need to know what part it plays in our defense. Now, for my own benefit and for your enlightenment, I have uh, had a wee sneaky look at a couple of books of two of the distinguished uh, Greek uh, theologians, you know, who would write in, in, in the Greek and understand the Greek, which I don't. I heard one man one time, one preacher from Northern Ireland say he, he knew that little Greek. He says he thought that uh, paracetamol was Greek for headache. <laughs> And my, my understanding of it is not brilliant either. But nevertheless, having looked at what uh, these two gentlemen said, uh, and it gets very, very intricate and, and technical, which I'm not going to speak about this morning, but if you boil it all down, right down to the very bare bones of it, uh, then you'll find that it simply means this, that God brings us into a place of rightness with himself. He makes us right with himself. Amen. And we need to be right with God. We tell others we need, they need to be right with God. Uh, 
And so this basically is what it means. He makes us right before him. Now we who were sinners were totally and utterly incapable of making ourselves right before God. We were guilty, he was guiltless. We were sinners, he was sinless. So something had to happen to make us right before God. In fact, two things needed to happen before we could be declared righteous before a holy God. First of all, he needed to pardon our sins and he needed to declare us not guilty. But the problem was that sin came with a great price tag. Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. And we could not pay the price. It was too great for us. And so God sent his only beloved son who went to the cross, who died for us to take the punishment and the penalty and the wages of our sin and paid that price. Having done that, having paid that price, then and only then could God declare us not guilty, declare us right before him, righteous in his sight. Now the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death is whenever our soul and spirit is separated from God. Now, we know that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden experienced that whenever they sinned, rebelled against God's word. What happened? They immediately ran and hid from the presence of God. There was an instant separation between God and man. We know that physical death is whenever the Spirit and soul is separated from the body. And all of us who have witnessed loved ones passing in this life, we have known and we could see that the spirit and soul had most definitely left and only the body remained. But eternal death, what the Bible calls the second death, is whenever the spirit, soul, and body is separated from God forever and ever and ever. And so that was the situation and that price had to be paid for us to uh, escape from death, from that eternal death that awaited us. And thank God he saved us from that. And so God provided that opportunity for us to be made right with him and have eternal life. That's the grace of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But secondly, second thing had to happen, we had to believe by faith. We had to believe in Christ by faith. For it is by grace that you're saved through faith. That's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works so that none of us can boast. Now in the Old Testament, we know that before Christ came, men had to, in a sense, look forward to the Redeemer coming. In Genesis 3.15, God gave the promise that one day the Redeemer would come and one day he would bruise the head of Satan. He would break his authority over mankind. Job 
uh, writing in Job 19.25 says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So Job is looking way, way, way ahead by faith, and he prophetically tells us that the Redeemer would come. So those in the Old Testament to be saved had to believe God and had to believe that God would send a Redeemer at some time. They knew it would be in the future, but they had to put their trust in the living God. And that's why in Romans 4 and 3, it says, For what says the Scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So when Abraham believed God, his faith went out to God, and God counted that for righteousness. That made him right with God. What do we do? We look back to Christ. And we look back to the cross. We look back to the Redeemer. And we put our trust in Him, our faith is in Him. That makes us right with God. So righteousness is being made right with God, having a right standing with God because of our faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that righteousness is a gift that's freely given by God's grace. Not something we attained to, not something we earned or merited. We simply received our right standing with God by faith in His Son. So this rightness, this righteousness has brought us into God's family. The Apostle Paul writing in Galatians 6 and 10 talks about the household of faith. In Ephesians 2, 19, he talks about the household of God. So here are just a couple of scriptures on righteousness before we move on. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. By the way, he didn't make him become a sinner for us. Otherwise, he would need a savior. But he made him sin for us. Took upon himself all of that sin and paid that price for us. Sanctification is a process coming more Christ-like every day. But righteousness is an act. From the very moment you were born again, you were declared righteous by God. Not in six months' time, not in a year's time, not in five years' time when you're more mature, but the very moment you put your faith in Jesus God declared you righteous before him, right before him. And that's a wonderful thing. That was an act of God in his grace and in his mercy. And the more you think about that and the more you ponder about that and meditate on that, the more conscious you become of your right standing before God. Hallelujah. Now, the problem is that often we're not so conscious of that. We have taken it for granted and we have moved on but how often do we sit down and actually consciously think, I am right with God. The righteousness of God has been declared over my life. Now, this is important because Paul makes that a part of your spiritual armory. And your spiritual armory is something that we put on, the Bible says. Just the way every day you put on your clothes you would not dream of not putting your clothes on. And yes, that becomes an automatic thing that we do. But we're conscious of that because we don't put the same clothes on 
every single day of the week. We change some things, don't we? But when it comes to our spiritual armory, are we even conscious of our righteousness in God and Christ? Because it's part of the armory that God has provided for us. In Romans 3, 21 and 22, it says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believed. To all and on all who believed. So this God-given righteousness is given to everyone who believes. To all and on all who believe. You believed, you received, never doubt it. It's as simple as that. You believed, you received, never ever doubt it. And then Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Whenever we finally grasp the full import of that verse, we will no longer see ourselves simply as ourselves. We will see ourselves as one who's reigning in life by Christ Jesus. And there's a big difference. If you simply see yourself as yourself, <laughs> then you're no match for the enemy that comes against you. But if you see yourselves as one who reigns in Christ Jesus, then when the enemy comes, you look at yourself differently than you were before. Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And it's a part of your armory. Often we're defeated by our own attitude, aren't we? Often we're defeated by our own thinking. But if we see ourselves dressed in robes of righteousness and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, then it gives us confidence and assurance and strength for the battles of life. Now, the great trick of the enemy is to get you to doubt your righteousness. To get you to doubt that you are right before God. Not perfect before God. Not even fully mature yet before God. But right before God. That you have a standing before God that you never had before. A rightness that was never there before. A righteousness that has been imparted unto you. Righteousness has changed our standing. We have a new standing before God. We have a new standing before men. We have a new standing before the devil. Righteousness changes everything. When Paul speaks of the breastplate of righteousness, he's letting us know that our righteousness that's been God-given is a big part now of our standing before the evil one and how we can overcome this. We have a new standing before God. We're no longer lost, but we're found. We're no longer condemned, we're forgiven. We're no longer in darkness, but we're in light. Amen. We're no longer dead, but we're alive. We're no longer a sinner, but we're a saint. We're no longer a slave, but a son. We have a new standing 
before God. Righteousness has changed our standing from death to life, from darkness to light, from despair to hope, from fear to faith. It's changed everything. Do you see yourself righteous before God today? See, the enemy will come to you and he'll point out every failure that you make. Every time you slip up, and he'll point that out to you. And he'll make you live under that condemnation. But if you see yourself as righteous before God, not perfect, not fully mature, doesn't mean you'll never sin or you'll never make a mistake, but you have a right standing before God, then that changes everything. The Roman historian Polybus, describing the Roman soldier's armor, here's what he said. He says, most of them wear a bronze plate of a span's width each way, which covers their breasts. It's called a heart protector. A span's width each way to cover the heart. A heart protector. And that's what the breastplate of righteousness symbolizes for us, a protection for our hearts a protection for our hearts. Our hearts need protected, don't they? When something strikes your heart and gets into your very heart, it's hard to deal with, isn't it? If it's the right thing, it encourages. If it's the wrong thing, it discourages. So our hearts need protected. Now, there's two things you need to understand about righteousness. One is it's positional. The other is it is practical. It's positional and it's practical. Our righteousness in Christ, that's positional. Our righteous life in Christ, that's practical. Positional, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's an act. That's us put in that position. We had nothing to do with that other than trust Jesus. And once he, we did that, God, by an act, placed us in that position. But what about the practical side? Titus 2, 11 and 10 and 11. The grace of God teaches us that we should deny worldliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, that we should live righteously and godly in this present word. Did you notice that? That we should live righteously. That's practical, isn't it? Not that just we have this position of righteousness, but in practical terms, the outworking of that in our lives on a daily basis. First John 3, 7, John said, he that does righteous is righteous. So there's something about once you become the righteousness of God in Christ, then you begin to do righteous things. And you begin to think righteous thoughts. And you begin to act righteously. It affects your daily life. So righteousness is both being and doing. It's both factual and functional. It's both positional and practical. Romans 5.17 speaks of the gift of righteousness. But 2 Corinthians 9 and 10 speaks of the fruit of righteousness. The outworking of the righteousness of God in our lives. Robes of righteousness, that's positional. Do you remember whenever the 
prodigal son come back, remember what the father said? Put the best robe on him. Give him his position back within this family. He just wanted to come back. He didn't just happy being a slave. At least the slaves got fed, not like he was doing in the far country. But he says, no, put the best robe on him. Give him that position. Give, put the ring on his finger. Give him the position back that he had. The robes of righteousness speak of the positional righteousness, but the breastplate is practical. It's something that has to be worked out daily in our lives. So we have a new standing before God. Thank God the day you got saved, you had a brand new standing before Almighty God. <laughs> but you have a new standing before men. We are not just like everybody else. We're not. Now that's not boasting. But it's a fact. We are not like everybody else. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. A species that has never been before. We may look the same, but in God's sight we're entirely different. He has made us new. Yes, we are flesh and blood like others. Yes, we face the same problems and challenges as others. Yes, we have the same responsibilities and burdens to bear as everybody else. But we are filled with God's Spirit. We have the Word of God abiding in us. We have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is our intercessor in heaven. We have a throne of grace that we can boldly go to. We have been declared righteous by God. So that makes us different. It puts us in a different plane altogether. Amen. Yeah. You're different. God has done so much for us. We have a new standing before God. We have a new standing before man. We have a new standing before the devil. We're no longer defenseless. We're no longer unprepared. We're no longer at his mercy. Thank you, Lord. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, a church that he loved dearly, is telling them that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the wickedness in high places. There is a spiritual fight that goes on beyond our physical sight. But he said, do not worry about that because God has given you spiritual armory for that fight. And part of that is the breastplate of righteousness. So now the evil one, when he comes with baseless accusation and lies against us, we have the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts. Now when he tries to make us doubt our salvation, and he does and wants to make you doubt even your very salvation. Very often new believers, after a little while, doubts come into their thinking. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Did I pray the prayer right or did I not pray it right? And all these doubts begin to come into the mind and seep into the heart. But we can take 
the enemy back to that moment and that hour when we did pray that prayer and we genuinely meant that prayer. And the moment that happened, we were made righteous before a holy God so we can take him back to that. You see, we have a heart protector. So now when he tries to condemn or slander, we have a heart protector. Righteousness gives us confidence and it gives us courage, doesn't it? Proverbs 28 and 1, the righteous are as bold as a lion. There's something about understanding that you are righteous before God that gives you confidence, that gives you a boldness. Righteousness gives us confidence. 1 John 3, 21, John writes, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. If our heart is continually condemned, we have no confidence. But if we can say to the Lord, I know I'm not perfect, I know I make mistakes, I know I'm not, I'm not sinless, I know all of that, but what I do know is you have made me righteous before you. You have made, given me a right standing that I never had before. And that gives you confidence and protects your heart. In verse 11, which we hadn't read earlier, Paul writes that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The strategies, the schemes, the plots, the plans, all the sneaky, dirty things that he does when he comes against us. When the devil comes against you, and I'm not saying him personally, he's got enough minions to do his dirty work. But however he comes, you can be sure there's a plan behind it. There's a strategy. There's a plot. That's the wilds. He's not going to waste his time on us. Jesus made it clear. He says, when the thief comes, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There's a reason why he comes against your life, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only reason he comes. His aim is to bring havoc into your life to bring confusion and fear and doubt and distress and discouragement and distress and even maybe even despair in your life. But he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? And so we need to have this breastplate of righteousness. We need to keep it on at all times so that when he comes, we've got a defense against him. Verse 12 says, but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. We do not wrestle. Wrestle here is, this is hand-to-hand stuff. This is up close and personal. This is when it affects your family and your finances and your physical frame or your ministry or your witness, or your work for God, or your calling for God. This is when it gets really, really personal, when it's right in your face. And that's when we need the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts. God has given you 
all the equipment that you need for the attacks of the evil one. If we have it on. If we wear it. I haven't time to talk about the shield of faith and the line belt of truth and the helmet of salvation your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit and all those good things. But just this morning, just to mention and bring to your attention this thing called righteousness. Whenever you understand and be conscious of your righteousness, it helps to prevent and to stop those attacks of the evil one. Martin Luther said, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Glory to God. Amen. And so this morning, brief as it was, to remind you of the righteousness of God in Christ that you have today as your protection against the evil one. Apart from everything else that it does for us, Paul likened it to part of our armory that we must continually wear against the wicked plans of the devil. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have saved us. We have been redeemed, washed in the blood of the Lamb, names in the book of life. And yet, in spite of all of that, the evil one (coughs) comes against us to try to steal and kill and destroy. So we thank you for the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us heart protection. So, Lord, that the heart is protected against the works of the enemy. We give you thanks for that today. We thank you for placing us before you in this position of righteousness. We did not deserve it. We did not earn it. We did not merit it. But by your grace, we got it. And by faith, we received it. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.